Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Small Talk with Kutu. I'm your host Kutu and it is my pleasure to welcome you to this episode on this good Easter Monday. A great kind of Monday, isn't it? The one that you can sleep in an hour more or you don't have to rush off to work. You um, can stay home with your friends or your family You can just watch a movie in bed, have breakfast in bed, go out for a walk, enjoy your morning, you know, the way Mondays are meant to be. Uh, I myself have had a lovely, lovely Easter weekend doing the best things, um, having food with family, watching movies, and sleep. Boy, let me tell you, sleep is underrated. Just sleep is the best kind of way to celebrate a long weekend. And I specifically liked this one because no work on Friday being Good Friday, no work on Monday being Easter Monday. So it's just ooh, ooh, the best. I hope uh, I hope you're having a lovely time yourself. Um, it's a quiet morning over here. I have my glass of um, wine this morning. Somehow it doesn't feel like a tea, a tea day. Just starting the day early with wine after breakfast so um today's episode we're talking about how to spend 500 billion dollars yes you heard that correctly how to spend 500 billion dollars or better put how to reallocate funds 500 billion is what we're starting with how to reallocate funds to social issues and to great um to greater height, you know, to reallocate funds in better ways in which uh, our lives can be better, our jobs can be better, and we can have a great experience as human beings on earth. As we often do here, we always talk on the macroeconomic economic skill, on the macroeconomic skill. I'm so happy I'm slurring my words. I promise you it's not the wine. Um, we always talk here on a macroeconomic skill, uh, you know, communities companies, countries, but also we try to scale it down to the micro level, how that applies to our daily lives, to ourselves, to our families, and just our general well-being. So um, this, we're going to have this in a series of parts. This is part one, and we're going to focus on relearning. Um, Specifically, I'm going to be reading from my website, kutuameji.com. So essentially, I'm reading to you with a glass of wine on an Easter Monday after a lovely breakfast. Yes. So, like I said, this promises to be fun, interesting. And so you grab your cup of coffee or your glass of wine and join me on the other side. I'll be back shortly. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Thank you for sticking around. This is Small Talk with Kutu and I am your host Kutu. Today we're talking about how to spend $500 billion, how to reallocate funds to different parts of our lives and societies according to the needs of, um, of generally what society 
um, would benefit from rather than what we've been spending on as communities, as countries, and as companies. How to spend 500 um, billion, part one. We're going to be talking about education. We are relearning how to be, relearning how to spend, relearning how to redesign our lives, how to achieve our goals for business and for government without hurting the ecosystem ourselves and each other is the challenge of our generation. Our goal is to evolve better societies and economies. And so for that, we need an evolution of consciousness and on a global level as well. Um, So I'm just going to highlight four areas in which we need to redesign how we see things, how we act, and redesign how we might look at solving this problem. So I'm just going to call out four things and go through what is the current situation of things. And as we're doing that, you can immediately see where the area is lacking in which we need to reallocate funds much better. Number one is sleep. See, mass numbers of people aren't getting the sleep they need. Much of that is due to the stress from working long hours at several jobs to make ends meet. And if that was the only reason we weren't getting the sleep that we deserve, it would be bad enough. But you see, our entertainment is keeping us up as well. TV shows, movies, video games, social media. Our smartphones are specifically designed to keep us awake. Our phones have become our be-all and our end-all. It is our map, our torchlight, our calendar, our TV, our personal trainer, electrician, mechanic, tutor, comforter, source of happiness, source of connection. It is our debit card. It is our credit card. Our entire lives are bound to the mobile phone. We sleep next to it as well as our partners. When we are weak, before we even get a chance to say good morning to our loved ones, we've checked our phones. We've checked our phones for the time, we've used a touch light, we've turned off an angry or irritable alarm. There is no time to just wake up quietly like nature intended and lie silently in bed for some minutes listening to the sounds of the morning. There is no time to try and remember our dreams to see if the naughty issue we'd been working on before falling asleep has been resolved. There is no time to go through our day in our heads or simply just cuddle up to a warm comforter or a warm partner to doze off slightly again. Forget meditation, like who needs that? Who has a time? And meditation is our brain's most neglected activity after food and exercise, but we do not have the time for it. You see, to evolve a new level of consciousness, we as policymakers and business leaders and thought leaders as well, we have to prioritize that collective sleep hours for an adult human should be six hours per night or more. To make this happen, our phones and other smart devices must be redesigned to match our natural circadian rhythms and lull us to sleep instead of blue lights that keep us late at night. Without sleep, we have no contact with our divine half, the half that provides dictations in intuition and flashes of deep insight that communicates in picture words and that simple knowing that comes without evidence. 
The average person spends 18 hours looking at a phone screen. That's two-thirds of our day. The other third is shared between work, family, and our goals. There simply is no time for sleep. Without sleep, the human brain is more scrambled than scrambled eggs. We're irritable. We're non-productive. We do not have the mental and emotional capacity to handle the demands and aggravations of our day. And most of all, we're not patient with each other. Reactive living becomes the norm. We go on social media and we fight with strangers. We write long epistles calling people names. We bully each other with a snide remark at work. We become easy prey for dishonest politicians. Our money is easily taken off us by marketers because they offer us a drink, a new dress, some validation in likes and comments from people we will never meet, nor even give a damn about. To reduce incidences of rage, of hate, impatience, of susceptibility to herd mentality and loneliness, we need to sleep. The siesta culture needs to be revived, especially for kids. Speaking of which, number two, play. We've talked about sleep, now we're going on to play. Going outside to play has all but died. Playtime is not time wasted. It's central to our brain's development and productivity. Remember how much fun you used to have going out with your friends to play when you were much younger. Young children used to be able to play with their hands and minds. We used to make the wire telephone, a paper plane, a mud house, twirl a snail shell using oscillatory motions to drill holes in the sand. We used to clap hands and feet to strengthen spatial coordination. We construct a truck out of old tins and mother's bathroom slippers. These playtimes weren't just us as children getting our hands dirty and keeping out of our mother's way while she made dinner. It taught us, it taught us science. Like sound carried along a string when we are playing telephone. It taught us centrifugal force. Sure, we didn't know what it meant, but we we knew there was a force that whipped the snail shell into a drill or we knew how the wind powers a vane when we make a paper a, a fan made out of paper and drive it against the wind play taught us art we wove a basket out of wild lilies we drew stick figures on the wall we developed our brain when we use imagination in role playing running competitions that wired our brain with endorphins and above all Play fostered togetherness and how to fight fair. Play these days has become a movie at the theatre. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. Play has become getting a new score in our favourite game. Yes, we make friends in chat rooms across the globe. And we make memes to laugh at each other on Instagram, which is sure fun. But unfortunately... Unfortunately, the human brain is not wired to draw its neurotransmitters from these aforementioned activities. Endorphins are released primarily through physical movement, aka exercise. You have to literally get off your butt, go outside, and at the very least walk around. Walk your dog, with the garden, go for a run. Oxytocin can be released when we bond over digital devices, sure. 
but oxytocin is a physical touch neurotransmitter. You have to touch and be touched. Your cat, a fern in the garden, cook a meal, bring it to someone less fortunate than you are, tuck in a sick neighbor, hug your spouse, kiss your kids. How about serotonin and dopamine? They come from achieved goals. The visually driven amongst us, we get it from looking at a piece of art that we made, working with our hands. You see, growing new brain cells, aka neuroplasticity, it increases our capacity, our productivity, literally changes who we are. Neuroplasticity can mostly be achieved by interaction with the world around us, with nature, with other people, with animals. Re-educating the populace, we need to invest in schools and learning centers that redesign their curriculum to contain a third of school work as actual play time. Why do we need to do this? Why is this profitable? Why does this need to be prioritized? To start with, children who play outside develop better focus and brain power in their schoolwork. They receive better education, which in the end widens the pool of mental resources available for us to solve hard problems in academia, in sports, in business, and in politics. So that's play, and now we come to kitchen. Number three. The kitchen, in my opinion, is the world's largest laboratory. You see, your mother is a scientist. Everyone that cooks is a scientist. If you've used the kitchen, you're a scientist. This is because food is edible science. Nowhere is science easily taught, demonstrated, and proven than in the kitchen. The true purpose of a kitchen is not we have hitherto used it for, as a tool for female oppression. No, (laughs) it's not where women who are meant to be seen and not heard go to bury their dreams and grind their frustrations. Sure, that's the narrative, that's the metaphor that um, we've assigned to the kitchen. But I say, a kitchen is not even where we cook. That is but the secondary, less powerful definition of a kitchen. The kitchen in my books is a science lab and a weapon. As a science lab, let's explore that even further. Water that we boil to make tea. That's the law of physics, chemistry, and biology interacting right before our eyes. There's specific heat capacity, there's the boiling point of water at play, the properties of steam that can drive an engine, the kettle is singing, the chemistry of water molecules getting excited. How about a blender? Centrifugal force. How about fermentation? Fermentation process happens in the milk that went bad. We have an exothermic reaction when we have detergent and a drop of water in our hands because heat is released. We have the biology of spicy food in our nostrils and why it causes sneezing. The black patches on your overwrapped plantain. That's science. Viscosity of jellies. While some beans sink to the bottom of the water and others float, etc. Science is most practicable in a kitchen. The experiments are confirmed to be accurate. It is pleasurable. It is tangible. And it is food. And we all know food is bay. 
Now, how does this fit into the re-education solution? How do we allocate funds for better relearning? Well, you see, to evolve better societies, we have to know the basic structure on which the world is built. And those two subjects that are key in getting that done is maths and science. Our current teaching methods have been remarkable in making these two uninteresting and difficult. STEM subjects, which is science, technology, engineering and maths, STEM subjects cannot just be left to the few who are lucky enough to grasp the truth of it through the labyrinth of complexities that we've surrounded our science with. Like everything has to be so difficult. Why? Science is not difficult. Math is not brain cracking. It is a shame that older society it is a shame that older societies have at least ten times more advancement in science, mass construction and art than we do. Like it is clear through the telltale signs and the works left behind by older societies that we have devolved in our science and tech. The only reason we insist that aliens build the pyramid is because the technology that made it possible we think is clearly superhuman and otherworldly. But to be fair, it's because we have not taught science and maths with the basic common things in our everyday lives. And no better way to do that than in the kitchen. Because everyone goes in the kitchen. Everyone uses the kitchen. So to be better and to go beyond ourselves, maths and science has to be what everyone understands and can apply to their lives. Science and formulae must be taught in schools, yes, but it should be practiced at home. The good news is, we are already in our daily lives being scientists. We just don't know that we're doing it. As we tend the garden, we learn about earthworms and other nematodes. We learn about microbes when we compost our food waste. We know about the bimetallic strip when we iron our clothes. And we understand that the microwave is run by the same light that x-rays us in the hospital and lights our home at night, only at different wavelengths. We invest in teachers and schools that teach Vedic mass. We show everyone who cooks what they really are. Scientists making edible science three times a day. So to paraphrase Gusto from Ratatouille, anyone can be a scientist. Parents who are aware of the lab quality of the kitchen will introduce their children to a love of science and maths because they can move science from the abstract to the useful. Isn't this, after all, how we spread hate and bigotry around the breakfast table while preparing dinner? We only need to change the syllabus. Our teaching style is proven to be effective. And as a weapon, the kitchen is the most powerful of all. Napoleon Bonaparte said that an army marches on his stomach. And the French general is right. We do not need to fire off a single shot if our enemy's truth if our enemy's troops dinner is laced with arsenic they'll be dead before the morning after eating their dinner the kitchen then is able to be weaponized to keep a nation healthy or sick and this we all know relearning how to eat is important no this is not about eating before 7 p.m nor to avoid mixing carbs and proteins these are all good and fine but we need to unlearn 
the way we eat. We bolt down chunks of poorly chewed food into our intestines to grapple with. What we need to do is drink your food and eat your water, which means it's slower. Take time to savor your drink, for food is meant to be chewed about 27 times before swallowing, and drinks are meant to be mixed with spittle before swallowing. So that's number three, and finally we come to music. We all enjoy music, and music grants us direct access to the subconscious. So the three ways in which we need to relearn how we use music is how to allow for diversity, how to be kind in the use of it, how to disagree agreeably, and how to be responsible planetary stewards using music. Practically, we have to find innovative ways to make doing good things profitable. We have learned how to be rich, how to be powerful, how to be feared individuals and nations using our less than honorable instincts. We need mutually beneficial altruism. And because we're not practicing the art of using our inherent good to build profitable businesses and societies, you see, we will need newer models in accessing our good nature. And so music can do that for us. I propose that in public places, you know, bank halls, in stadia, schools, museums, hospitals, supermarkets, places of worship, on the street, I propose that we put calm in music, closely resembling nature's calls in the morning, nature's chirps, the birds in flight, the sing-song of the nightingale calming music. These should accompany us as we run our daily errands and do our chores. It doesn't have to be something we plug in our ears. I'm talking about on a macro scale that we wire music into the trees as we walk the street. That we put it through cables as we do electricity. We let it come up softly as we wait in queues. Frankly, It's just detestable that what wakes us up daily, we call it alarms. I've said it before, coming from a session of rest, instead of easing ever too slightly into our day, we are just jolted and jarred into wakefulness. No wonder we're so irritable all the time. Nature rises the morning with songs of nightingales, with chirps of crickets, with whispers of gentle rain breeze. Nature treats us like Prince Akeem in coming to America. Prince Akim is awakened by soft music. Nature's orchestra is a soft mix of coos and chirps and songs. But us? No, we need alarms. Loud, jangling alarms. Clang, 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 noise. Not this. I just, oh. It's so annoying. Look, alarms are a pet peeve of mine if you haven't picked us up. If you haven't picked that up, I know you say coming to America is just a movie. You know, we 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 need to we need to wake up bright and early. We need coffee, you know, because we live in concrete jungles of Lagos, New York, Hong Kong. We are tough and rough, you know. 
the city will eat you alive you just just if you're on this cooey nonsense you have to be alive you have to be awake or you might miss your appointment nobody has time for such songs or foolishness such as that you might say you see i agree with you the fast paced bustle of our big cities may be full of jive and life compared compared to the countryside but it doesn't need to be steeped in loud discordant songs the evidence that our bodies are out of sync with the tunes of life is is clear in our overall poor health mental and otherwise it is no mystery where the upset in our health comes from sounds are what sustains the universe sounds are now being used to shatter cancer cells investments then we must consider should be in music that provides a specific melody that calms us that makes us healthy that improves productivity rewarding the right music creation by investing in it will not only produce stable human lives but more money in an investor's pocket because consumption will surely come To begin, the alarms on our phones should be replaced with more suitable nature sounds. The gentle clash of an ocean's wave, the sing-song coo of birds, the soothing wish-wash of wind chimes in the rain. Four areas in which we're lacking. One, sleep. We're not sleeping well. Two, we're not playing well. Three, we're not using the kitchen for what it's meant to be. And four, our music's our music's good too. Our music is discordant. How do we allocate resources? How do we spend 500 billion? And how do we even make it profitable? Number one, off the top of my head, if you're a phone company. you design smartphones change the alarm that wakes us up make it something natural beautiful soft pretend like a king is going to use his phone like prince akim in coming to america pretend that you're making phone for royalty Let the music on the phone be soft. Let it be gentle. Design the phone specifically for our nervous system, for our parasympathetic nervous system, not the fight and flight response, but the rest and digest response, which means the well-being part of our bodies. The sounds should be melodious, should be gentle, should be soft. Essentially, you need to mimic nature. In engineering, we call this biomimicry, in which you study how nature has been doing it for millions of years and you just copy her. Is easy, is better, and you'll be more money in your pocket. Why? because people will associate your smartphone with a feeling of overall overall calm and wellness and you can advertise using that 
you can advertise as your tagline that you're making phones that are superior because it caters to the well-being of people. Blue light. When you're making those phones, try to explore warm light. Light that lulls us to sleep. We don't need to be kept awake 18 hours for you to get money in your pocket. Redesign phones to make us sleep better, to make us live better, and to wake us up better. That's one way in which we can reallocate funds as a company. Another way we can reallocate funds, if you're in the educational system, or if you're coming, if you're if you're building your own school, if you have a private school, so you're a principal or you're a school um, administrator, make sure that there's enough playtime for the children and put that in your prospectus. Explore the neurological benefits of play for children. Instead of telling parents how many computers you have and how well equipped your lab is, draw up literature from child psychologists on the effect of play on young minds, on the neuroplastic benefits of actually playing with their hands because then they can invent. The lab that you're setting up, if there is no play area, you can't compete because if your competitor comes up with something better, they're going to wipe you out of the market. Don't forget that humanity is evolving and everyone sees that conflict and wars belong to a lower or past race. Or lower level of consciousness like we've evolved beyond this we can solve problems without conflict without wars and as such our business models are evolving people see that it is best to redesign society redesign company to bet make to best make people live better so while you're in the cutthroat you know um, dog eat dog world model of running your business or your school your competitor is learning how to cater to children, how to make things better. And when you meet on the playground, people are going to choose easy. People are going to choose what's making their children learn more. And play is how we learn. So, off the top of my head, we can allocate funds. Now, that's as the owner of a, of a school or you're setting up a school. As policymakers, we can mandate that in the curriculum, there is more playtime. The kids are not holed up in the classroom all day. When I was in primary school, we used to have the long break and the short break. So the long break is one hour, 45 minutes to one hour. And the short break is 30 minutes or 15 minutes, given give or take. We need to have that back. For music, if you have a company, put music in the halls. Soft classical music. Research. And you will see that classical music calms the mind. The effect of sound on our bodies is not a thing that is up for debate. People are stressed all day. 
the demands of the daily activities of their jobs combined with what they're worrying about at home combined with the stress of driving through traffic all of that make sure that when they walk through your walls walk through your doors as a business that there's calm music in the in the hallways what does that do increases productivity make sure that people love working for you and you don't lose good people and when customers coming there's an overall sense of well-being and calm and let me tell you in a world that overstresses the nervous system if your business if your company is associated with calmness with a sense of beauty people will flock to you without you lifting a finger so when you're planning the budget for your country for your company look into it let them be music on the streets let your country be known for music on the streets and if you live in a hot country let there be air conditioning on the streets yes i said so no i don't mean air conditioning hobs i mean literal air conditioning let the air be cooler just a natural fresh air let it be cooler how do you do that well perhaps we need another episode to talk about that for your homes let there be soft music to wake your family up in the morning do not just barge into your kids rooms and start knocking on the doors get up get up get up get up it's time for school let there be a soft way of waking them up play music put music in the walls in your home soft classical music the soft wind chimes imitate nature if you prefer birds if you prefer crickets there's so much to choose from that you don't have people are just waking up for love of god i'm just talking about this waking up because it pisses me it is a pet peeve of mine don't wake people up with alarm systems don't barge into people's rooms and just knock on the doors and get up get up we're going to be late if you wake up at a certain time every morning after a while your subconscious wakes you up at that time no fail you don't need alarms to wake you up you need better systems let the children go out to play with the neighbors kids let them play organize play dates actual play dates not the ones in which they're hold up over computers you have computers at home let them go out and make things with their hands let there be music in your walls let there be sleep time that's healthy and overall make kitchen time family time teach them wholesome things at the kitchen table teach them maybe you're not science oriented so maybe you don't know specific capacities of fermentation process how the steam engine came to be you can read up on it or you can teach economics art love religious tolerance diversity 
You can teach most anything in the kitchen. Why? Because everyone's attention is engaged, because it is family time, because you're literally standing in a lab. How do we allocate funds to this? In every school, in every place of learning, instead of an actual lab, set up a kitchen, an industrial kitchen, and use that to teach kids. Make science practical and fun. It is something they see in their lives. Let them know how to calculate it. Yes, this is lambda. This is mu. This is a specific heat capacity. This is a sign for... This is how Archimedes found, um, made his discovery. This is how Galileo did his thing. Yes, you can do all that in theory, but you need tangibility. You see, life needs tangibility. So let's build kitchen laboratories, industrial kitchen laboratories. And instead of using that to just teach how to make food, let us make food. And teach these are the practical applications of all that you've learned in class. In your home, let every moment be a teaching moment. Also at work, be kinder. Don't use don't use loud discordant sounds. Pay attention to sounds around you. Change your life. Allocate your own time, your own resources. You might not have $500 billion, but allocate your time and resource to sleeping better, to playing better as adults. Actually go outside and get physical exercise. Take time out to learn from the environment, from nature around you. Allocate your own time, your own resource. If you're in a place of authority, if you're a policymaker, if you're the CEO, if you're the owner of a not-for-profit, consider these four ways in which we're lacking our societies and brainstorm with your team how to do better. And who knows, in your own small corner of the world, you can create the paradise that extends. You can be the butterfly that causes a tornado on the other side of the world but a tornado of good things thank you everyone um, This we've come to the end of today's podcast I know it's been different maybe that's not how you expected the podcast to go but that's how small talk with good to goes that's how we do <laughs> We think outside the box and we reallocate our time, our energy and our funds differently. There's a better way to be, there's a better way to live. Let's explore that. Let's be kind to each other. I hope you have a lovely week ahead. I hope you have a great, great week. And I hope that we relearn how to be, how to live, and how to enjoy our lives. I'm going to sign up now. It was fun hanging out with you. Be good, be well, be safe. Bye.